Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You what? need to wash your hands after you use the restroom. Yes. With Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> Adam Candy. This is gotcha journalism. You know what? They're not going to gotch me. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here you go on a Wednesday. Battleborn Broadcast Center is the spot. Our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider will be in later on in the hour. Uh, Looking forward to a bunch of different topics, including the uh, Raiders and the new Vax policy at Allegiant. So, uh, Justin coming up in just a little bit. Adam Candy is in. Haven't talked to him in a while. What's up, buddy? My triumphant return. I had to look up the last time that I was able to join you here in uh, in the Thunderdome. It's been almost six weeks. I'm excited. Thunderdome. <laughs> You're the new star of the mornings. Getting up early. Star? Uh, no, no. There, there's no star that early. There's no star. There, there's just check present. You made it in time. <laughs> All right, well, we got a lot of football to get into, and uh, yeah, in those six weeks, you, uh, you, know, you, I know you were doing a bunch of sports talk on VSN and on our press box show. Well, the off season, which was very short, went bye bye, and now we're full bore into the football season. And before we get to all the NFL stuff, because we got updates on Dak Prescott, and we'll definitely get you the skinny, at least from what we could tell of the joint practice today with the Raiders and the Rams. Uh, we got some college stories coming down. Really intriguing story in. Washington, where Nick Rolovich is going to have to make a decision on his vaccination status. That's coming up. You know, Nebraska, for us Big Ten people, Candy. Sorry, I wanted to see if you are going to react the way Adam Hill usually does. He laughs at me. But for us Big Ten people, Nebraska has been a bit of, thor- a bit of a thorn in the side. Uh, embarrassing the conference, trying to go all rogue last year when they weren't happy with the conference decision at one point about playing the football season or not playing the football season. And, you know, while this seem like uh, may seem like a minor story, a uh, story came down today about Scott Frost and the NCAA investigating possible violations uh, by Nebraska football and Scott Frost. And, you know, it has to do with the fact that they improperly used analysts and consultants, right, with the knowledge of Scott Frost. That doesn't sound like anything. And I've seen a lot of whataboutism already, Candy, where people are like, wait, Baylor basically got off for having a – incredibly dangerous and embarrassing sexual assault and rape culture. And the NCAA just slapped them on the hand last week. So I've seen a lot of that. What about But in this case, there's something else that's really interesting here. Frost moved workouts off campus last year when such activities were banned during the pandemic. And, you know, this is something probably to a higher level that Arizona state is accused of. And I think while Husker fans are conditioned to, Hey, win at all costs, it's a real no-no with what was going on back then. And if the rules were still in place, it'd be a no-no now. So is this a minor deal or is this the beginning of, you know, Trev Alberts just took over as, as AD, former football player, like when Nebraska was good. I wonder if Trev Alberts is looking at this going, this ain't my guy. He ain't winning. Ooh, la, la. Maybe this is the opening of the door to get this guy the hell out of here. $20 million buyout on Scott Frost. So... If it's a $20 million buyout, then he better be able to find some cause. So I don't really know what's going on when it comes to Nebraska because they say in the reporting on this that there's some pretty solid evidence 
of the things that went wrong in Nebraska. And that comes back to our stuff with Baylor. You're going to say, well, you know, and again, it's all a matter of what the NCAA can prove and who they, who they can punish at any given time. So Nebraska could be in trouble. Scott Frost already lawyered up. And you said win at all costs. Huh. I'm a lot of winning in Nebraska. I wonder, uh, I wonder how much cost they're willing to bear. Yeah, but you know what that breeds in a place like that, right? Then the coach feels like, hey, I got to do every single freaking thing. And, you know, looking back at last year, and, I, and again, I saw the other whataboutism was, uh, well, I'm sure other schools were doing the same thing. Well, when they get caught, they get caught. But for now, we know that Arizona State was doing it, and they were doing it with recruits. And it looks like Nebraska, and they have video proof of it, was doing it. Now, in the long run, from the NCAA, the NCAA is toothless. It doesn't matter. You know, this is a little, you know, embarrassing episode for Nebraska, although those uniforms they uh, were talking about a couple weeks ago that they're going to use against Oklahoma is even more embarrassing. Uh, but it's the bigger picture thing, like I said. Um, when you're the football coach, I don't care if you're a Nebraska guy or not, you're not winning and a new AD comes in and you open the door with stupid stuff like this. This is trouble for Scott Frost. Well, it's not just the new AD comes in. Look what happened with the, new, with the old AD leaving. That's part of the deal here, too. The administration turned over. Scott Frost, chief of staff, resigned. Uh, there's reasons that all of this happened. I'm not going to say that all of it has to do with Scott Frost, but clearly there are some people here who knew that something was coming down the pipe because this could end up being major, and you want to make it relative to other things. Good luck. Good luck when it comes to the NCAA. I mean, you're going to have as much luck being able to compare different NCAA cases as you do trying to compare Roger Goodell discipline in the NFL. Uh, news out of Dallas, it is not a shocker because Dak Prescott is not 100%. Doesn't look like he's going to play the rest of the preseason, which there's a lot of cowboy angles here to get into. And also the angle of the preseason games, Candy, they cut everyone down to three games except for a couple of teams. I mean, it's clear the coaches are like, we need a game. We might need to uh, give us more joint practices. These preseason games, uh, they're just getting in our way. We're not playing our main guys. They're not going to play their main guys, but their bosses are still going to charge full price for the tickets, and that's really what this is going to come back to in the end because season ticket packages have always included a couple of home games for required purchase that come along with the PSL. If you don't buy the preseason games, you don't get season tickets, and you don't keep your PSL, and they sell it to somebody else who will buy them. So now the CBA takes it down from four preseason games to three preseason games, and it looks like even that might still be too many because think about what it used to be. It used to be first game, starters come out, play a series. Second game, maybe a quarter. Third game, maybe a half. The fourth game, you sit everybody down and make sure they're healthy. Well, it seems like the coaches don't care now. It seems like it's much more about these joint practices and getting in a little bit of work when it's under controlled environment. And they don't care who goes out there. We watched Nathan Peterman throw 39 passes in the first game ever at the Al. They had a ribbon cutting to watch Nathan Peterman throw 39 passes. Yeah, amazing. Amazing stuff. And then for the beginning of the season, Candy, again, don't overreact to the preseason. Don't overreact to hard knocks. That's very important. Everyone, well, I'm going to say everyone. Uh, people do. I'll tell you, in fantasy football, I've seen it every year in almost every draft that there's some star of hard knocks you know, who uh, goes way too high in fantasy football. What do we do with the Cowboys with a Dak Prescott who is struggling with an arm injury? comes out of the gates, 
having to play a bully on the block in the NFC, do you feel safe in saying fade these guys? And how badly could people fade them in that first game against the Buccaneers? Well, if you want to talk about fading them versus the Bucs, I think it's a different story than talking about what I think about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys year long. You can get anything under a touchdown. You can go ahead and hammer the hell out of that because I don't see where the Dallas defense is going to be able to do anything to slow down Tampa Bay. That being said, I also think that sitting Dak Prescott the remainder of the preseason is only smart at this point. He's already coming back from an injury. He's already going to be dinged up if you throw him out there now. For what purpose? To see if he can move on the on the former broken leg? I mean, you know that already. There's no reason to throw him out there. I think this Cowboys team is going to score a lot of points this year. I think Dak Prescott's going to lead them to scoring a lot of points this year. I wouldn't be moving away from him in fantasy. I wouldn't be moving away from him in DFS. Like, I, I do think the Cowboys are going to be a very good offense. I am going to overreact on this one and what we're seeing in the preseason. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys were into it on the press box or you talked about it much on VSIN, but you know this show was all about Jenny Taft battling back against Skip Bayless, who was suggesting that fat asses uh, can't be motivators, can't be bosses. I kind of sided with Skip um, in some ways, at least as a thought. But uh, Jenny v. Skip was all about Mike McCarthy being fat shamed. And I had a lot of people come back and they're like, well, you know, Belichick, he's not in great shape. And I told people, hold on, hold on. This man is a rock of a human being. Have you seen the footage of Belichick? What was that? 1,300 pounds that he was squatting? This man yeah. is a... Very close. A, Very he, is close. A, he is a stocky machine. No, built like a fire hydrant, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, was, it was somewhere between 95 and 1,300 pounds that, uh, that, that he was squatting. Uh, okay. Pretty sure it was 125 plate on both sides of that bar. So, uh, B- Billy B was uh, taking the world on his shoulders there. Yeah, I felt like... Uh, Belichick being rolled into the fat shaming. By the way, along with Jenny Taft's lacrosse coach, who really took a beating when Jenny was like, yeah, my coach was fat, and she was a great coach. I'm like, okay, I'm not sure if she signed up for this whole thing, but these things happen. These things happen. All right, uh, so this is interesting. You tell me. We just said the preseason games are devalued immensely. Uh, we had a conversation, Adam Hill and I, on earlier Cofield and Companies that, hey, these – Joint practices actually mean something. Do you buy that? Mean something in what regard? I mean, I, I don't know if they mean anything in terms of what we're going to see in the regular season, but they certainly have to mean more than the preseason games because it's the only time we see the starters anymore. Oh, I think there's a lot to be accomplished. Uh, you, your ones are out there going against other ones for a lot longer. Now it's very, you know, very organized, um, and it also gives the opportunity. For, and we've seen this, you know, unfurl on on hard knocks. And, you know, today you couldn't – the guys who were down there who went down to Southern California to uh, watch the Rams and the Raiders go at it, you couldn't really show video. I think so, there are some coaches who take the opportunity to go, you know what, we're getting a little lame in practice. We're tired of seeing each other here for 20-plus days. We got some fresh meat in front of us. Let's freaking go at it, which really makes me laugh at – uh, Ari sent over a story today. Gruden doesn't want to see any fighting at the Rams Raiders scrimmage and practices. He said, why even bring that up? Because Ari, you know exactly what he wanted today. He wanted fighting. He wanted feistiness. And apparently from the reports, it happened on multiple occasions. Uh, it looks like 
Uh, let's see. I was, I'm following the timeline of uh, Vic Tafer, who I thought did a really good job of, of honestly assessing what was going on out there. He said, Rugs with a drop over the middle, and Gruden lets the whole sideline have it. A uh, couple of minutes later, Jalen Ramsey hits Brian Edwards pretty hard and, and let him know about it two plays later. Ramsey and Moreau get into it. Uh, after more chippy play, players separate him. Renfro then beats Ramsey uh, deep after Gruden dialed one up. Raiders sideline all fired up. Another tweet. Gruden is emotionally vested in this scrimmage. Uh, and then Vic talked about uh, special teams scrimmage getting more and more amped up. Apparently, uh, two players tackled uh, Amik Roberts into the ground. Bad move. Dog pile. Ram sideline runs over to the scrum. Mayock jumped in and was pulling players off. And then later on, another scrum. Surprise, surprise. Richie Incognito in the middle of this one as both sidelines run on the field. That is one of the purposes of these joint practices is to try to get everyone a little more amped up after maybe they're a little tired of trying to smack each other around, Candy. There's also a lot of baseball bullpens rushing in from the outfield and guys streaming out of the dugout here. Like, come on. Sure. Come on. They tackled Amik Robertson. Oh, no. Clearly, it's getting serious now. Not Amik Robertson. You don't do that to our guy. Although, I will say, with Brian Edwards, hey, when you've got a guy who is a combination of Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, you don't take shots at him. You, don't, you have to protect that guy. And we know that that's who the Raiders have in their second-year wide receiver. You have to protect that guy at all costs. Calm down. Calm down with the dripping, dripping with sarcasm. Here was uh, Hunter Renfro after the practice talking about just it, it being refreshing having a chance to face someone new and not uh, go against the same guys. I think both sides took it seriously. It's good to get that competitive work because it, it's, it's refreshing to go against people that aren't your own. you got definitely more spirit at times than we would like. All right, we'll build on that on the way back. Uh, we also have to get to uh, what's going on over at Allegiant. Uh, yesterday, everyone was all fired up by the uh, new Vax policy of the Raiders. You know, a story that kind of got buried, Candy, was uh, UNLV's plan, along with Allegiant and the Raiders, in terms of uh, parking at UNLV football games. And that'll have people uh, more than fired up, ready to jump into a scrum. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. I think both sides took it seriously. It's good to get that competitive work because it's... It's, it's refreshing to go against people that aren't your own. We got definitely more spirit at times than we would like, but it was uh, a good practice, and that's what football is, just competition. Everyone's a Super Bowl, Bowl contender at the beginning of the year, and so how we'd like to look at it is, you know, we're a Super Bowl contender as well, so going against our defense every day gets us better. And so, yeah, it's refreshing to go against a team like that. Renfro, Raiders wide receiver, apparently from uh, folks watching practice at a, a real good joint practice, Raiders and Rams today. And as we said, uh, it got a little chippy, got a little chippy. Uh, boy genius. Maybe uh, the boy genius is not into the chippiness. And a look for energy candy. Uh, McVeigh said, uh, I didn't like how sloppy it felt overall. 
it's going to be a lot of good things that we can learn from, but it just didn't feel good the way that it ended based on a lot of unnecessary things that took away from football. All right. You think that's on his side, or was he uh, pointing a finger at John Gruden? Well, I'll just point you to Max Crosby talking about how this is the time of year where you can get away with a few punches. You're not going to get kicked out of a game. Uh, it's just normal. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, I think I know where, where he's pointing. All right. So the biggest story locally when it came to football yesterday was the new Vax rules for the Raiders. you got to be fully vaccinated. If you're not, um, I'm sure everyone now has seen the NBC LA headline that uh, if you don't, if you're not fully vaccinated, you can go to the stadium and you will be shot on site. Or actually, I think get shot on site is how they put it. Now, they spelled site correctly. If it had actually said S-I-G-H-T, then it really would have meant you'd get shot on site. We're not that hardcore here. But I'll tell you, Candy, the story that got kind of buried yesterday is some of the early details on UNLV football being at Allegiant. Well, one, they're not going with the same policy. They're going with masks. So you don't have to be fully vaccinated. But more importantly, I don't think people realize right now what's coming when it comes to trying to park at Allegiant for the UNLV football games. They are not ready for that. And frankly, if you haven't taken a close look, you might not be ready for the ticket prices either. Uh, because when you combine what the prices are going to be, and it's dynamic pricing based on who the opponent is, uh -huh. but you combine those prices with the fact that it's going to be a minimum minimum of $50 to park for a UNLE game. You're looking at having to really shell out. Look at that Iowa State game, which of course is the marquee game on the non-conference schedule. The get-in price, anywhere in the stadium, the get-in is $120 for that game. If you take two tickets at $120 plus at least $50 to park, you're $300 in before you have even bought a beer or a hot dog. So uh, UNLV football is clearly trying to uh, do the best it can to maximize the revenues from the stadium, but I'm not sure people are prepared for what it's going to be. As far as I know, a lot of the lots are not going to be open either, so it's going to be limited parking. And some of those $50 spaces are not the ones that UNLV is going to be selling at Allegiant. Some of those $50 spaces belong to MGM. It's going to cost you $50 to park at Mandalay. It's going to cost you $50 or more to park at Luxor. When I looked yesterday, one of the lots at Luxor was $75. Yep. Well, and that's why uh, whoever has the responsibility, whether it's UNLV or, you know, local government combined with RTC, we were asking the RTC about those buses that have been running, that are going to be running, that did run to the Seattle game from the station casinos that are two bucks each way. As of now, there is no official plan in place to run those games for that first game on September 2nd, a Thursday night, UNLV in Eastern Washington. They got to get that online. That has got to be an option because we also know that rideshare, listen, it's not you're not drawing the same crowds for a UNLV game, but uh, the rideshare is no guarantee that you can get down there for you know a decent price either. No, there is no guarantee of that, but I think the other side is UNLV fans are going to have to show up in the kind of numbers that prove that there's a demand for those buses because uh, at the moment we have no idea who's going to show up for a rebel game we have no idea if it's going to be 2,000 3,000 5,000 10,000 we don't know we, we really don't know what UNLV is going to generate and if only a, a few thousand fans show up for a game it's going to be really hard to make the case that you should be running buses from all over town to get there yeah uh showing up and paying for tickets are two different things too because I looked at 
uh, many of the games and uh, there aren't a lot of tickets actually in some of the games there aren't a lot of tickets actually left in the lower level so the tickets are accounted for now people have to show up the the high you know the high uh, price donors who bought the tickets are going to have to show up and many of those are not going to be the people who jump on these buses so they're in a bit of a conundrum because like you said you got to draw but then a lot of people are going to look at the prices and go wait what the hell just happened here and yet i also i realize that they have to maximize the money they're getting from this stadium especially after last year when they got nothing they absolutely do and that was part of the deal all along because it's not like the raiders are doing them any favors in terms of the lease that being said this team went 0-6 last year this team is projected to win maybe two or three games. So in order for people to feel confident that they're going to go and pay that money and get a good product, UNLV's got to put a better team on the field. A former public servant. He's also our uh, ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. Justin Watkins is on the way. We'll get his reaction to the uh, developing stories about uh, ingress and egress to Allegiant Stadium for both UNLV football and Raiders football, and of course, get his uh, reaction from a legal standpoint. A lot of attorneys, a lot of attorneys all over Twitter saying, hey, what the Raiders did with the request for fully vaxxed only in the stadium, that ain't going to fly legally. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. Deshaun's here. Every day he's here, he comes in, he works. Uh, you know, he, he does he does what we ask him to do. And, uh, you know, he's here every day and he's doing fine. No, he's not injured. You know, he's come up each day and we have a thing for him. And uh, basically, we got done what we needed to done yesterday in practice. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts. Only on Cofield and Company. That was the Houston Texans coach, David Culley. Weird position this guy's been put in. His first chance to be a head coach, and he's got to talk about this every freaking day with Deshaun Watson. So we'll get to the latest with Watson, and now Barb's being thrown again by both the attorneys or the attorneys on both sides. Justin Watkins is here. Obviously, the big headline story of the last couple of days is uh, what the Raiders decided to do with the stadium. You know, it's interesting. Last week, uh, Adam Hill, at the end of the week, we were talking about, boy, they're really, they're really trying to send out the message here, wear the mask, because we're going to be watching. And Adam said, this is going to be a test run. And if the masks aren't worn, similar to what happened at the Gold Cup game, where it was really light in terms of the mask being worn, there was going to be some next step. So Governor Sislak gave you the option. Venues over 4,000. Everyone's masked or fully vaxxed. And people can go in there without a mask. And there is no option with this latest Raiders plan being fully vaxxed. There is no option for the unvaxxed except get vaxxed. Do you like that? That that that's it. It's just it's this or the highway. A uh, little point of clarification on that: unvaccinated people are allowed in if you're under the age. So if you're 11 or younger, you're unvaccinated. You are allowed to go in, but you must wear a mask. So that, just that point of clarification. I love it. I love it, man. I mean, I, as soon as I saw it come out, right? I saw the Twitter blow up. Well, I'm never going to a Raider game and and all that stuff. So I was like, great. I'm going to jump on StubHub because I don't, I don't, I'm not a Raider fan, but it'd be cool to go to the first game. The ticket prices are outlandish. So I'm like, cool. All the ticket prices should be coming down. I'll jump right in. <laughs> no movement at all. <laughs> so there's a, you know, there's 
another example that Twitter isn't real world, obviously, but um, I know several people who in my circle who are sort of on the fence uh, who are Raiders fans or Raiders season ticket holders. And they're like, okay, yeah, they got me. I'll go get the shot. They they got me. Yeah, they got me. Like one one of my buddies I was just talking to yesterday was like, uh, you know, I I wasn't ever super anti-vax. You know, he he was in military. He got vaccinated for all kinds of stuff that he never got asked about. And so he kind of is a little bit uh, abrasive about that issue, about being vaxxed without knowing what's going into it. Um, but he said, yeah, you know, they'll get me eventually. They'll make it super inconvenient for me. And then I'll, I'll get vaccinated. And he's a Razor season ticket holder. The policy came out and he's like, okay, well now, now it's inconvenient and I'll go get vaccinated. A lot of questions, a lot of claims by the attorneys on Twitter. Yeah. This is legal. So first off, I mean, nobody that I've seen could possibly know without having seen the PSL agreement. So first off, it's absolutely legal. They're a private enterprise for them to require anything they want in regards to entry to their games, absent being discriminatory against a protected class. We've talked about this for 10 years now on here, right? They can't discriminate against race. They can't discriminate against sexual uh, orientation or religion or national origin um, or uh, I probably missed one. Um, but in any case, they can't make any of those discriminatory policies. But having vaccination is absolutely going to be permitted. It is tried and tested law. It, and they are a private enterprise. They can absolutely do it. Now, whether or not PSL uh, owners that are unvaccinated will have a cause of action say, wait, 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 wait. You sold me this bill of goods and now you're changing the rules and so I want my money back or I want damages. Will they succeed? The absolutely correct answer to that is, I don't know, because I haven't seen the PSL agreement. But I suspect that the PSL agreement gives you the right to purchase tickets. It does not give you the right to enter any one event. You are going to be subject to entry, subject to the terms and conditions of that particular event and its ticket. And in this situation, the Raiders have said, you you require vaccination. You could still buy the ticket. The PSL is still there. You could still buy the ticket. You could still sell the ticket. And you could probably sell the ticket for more than you bought the ticket for. So you don't even have any monetary damages to claim. I suspect if they wanted out of it, the Raiders would say, yeah, fine. Go ahead. We've got a line of people waiting to buy these things. Mm -hmm. So go for it. Um, so I don't actually think you're going to see any lawsuits. Everybody's like, you are absolutely going to see lawsuits on this. I don't think you're going to see them because I think the Raiders will call their bluff and say, oh, you don't want your PSL? You don't want that? Cool. We'll take it back right now and we'll sell it to somebody else who's willing to follow the rules. Are you cool with the differences between UNLV football and Raiders football at the same stadium? So Raiders fully vaxxed or get the shot at the stadium. UNLV just got a mask up. Unvaxxed are allowed. Totally cool with it, right? I mean, there's not going to be any problems there. You know, the stadium has different policies. The stadium is not the one making the policy, right? You know, it's the event. That's another question. This is is the event. We always talk about this public-private partnership. What is this stadium? It was funded seven hundred and fifty million dollars worth by the public. Is it public-private or is it just private? (laughs) Well, I mean, I I, I read, I, I saw someone yesterday, and it was like it was hardcore, but I'm like. Eh, you know, 
this is something to think about. Some guy named Dr. Bunker on Twitter said, owners steal billions from taxpayers and local schools for a free stadium and then ban kids and 50% of adults from the stadium. Well, they didn't ban any kids. Uh, well, kids that are 12 and older that aren't vaccinated. But technically, the stadium is owned and operated by the stadium authority, which is a government entity. It's us, right? Um, but in the agreements that they make with all the different enterprises, with the Raiders, with UNLV, and with um, concert venues and promoters, they can allow them to make their own rules of entry. Could the stadium authority absolutely mandate vaccinations for all events? I think they could. I don't think they will because it, you have a couple of different lines that you have to cross. You have a public institution in UNLV and any rules that they set are uh, can have constitutional challenges to them that a private enterprise like the Raiders wouldn't have. So I don't think you would see them have a blanket policy, although I will stand by my opinion uh, and every court has upheld it on the few challenges there's been so far. UNLV absolutely 100% would be within their legal rights to require vaccination of all employees, all students, everybody who steps on campus. They would absolutely be within their rights. The law is solid and it has been challenged at the few universities that have, that have instituted this now and they've lost every step of the way. They'll continue to lose. This is established law since 1905. Wow. All right. Doing the segue for me. So we've got a story developing in Washington where the governor is requiring vaccine requirement just to uh, expanded it to all K through 12 and higher education employees. Yes, that's legal. Please, I wish everybody would do I wish they would do it here. I wish they would do it here. The fact that we have the the vaccination rates that we do in education right now below 50% and they're teaching kids who can't be vaccinated that I send my kids to school I don't know what the vaccination rates are, but if if the the rates of the whole school district are uh, appropriate for my particular kid's school, it's infuriating that I cannot protect my kids through vaccinations because they're too young. My kids are nine and eleven, and they get sent to a school, and there's no protections there. They're, we're not requiring those educators to to vaccinate. Um, they absolutely could require it. I think they should require it, but they're not, and it's based on this this theory, this legal theory that some attorneys have that because the FDA has not given full authority uh, to the vaccine and that it's under an emergency authorization, they haven't given a full authorization, that it is legally risky to mandate it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And I'll, I'll tell you, all the, almost every single law professor at UNLV signed onto a letter together sent to UNLV saying the cities, the, the higher education's attorney's interpretation of this is junk. It hmm. is done to protect them politically. It has nothing to do with the law. And we recommend that you order and mandate vaccinations now. So I'm not the only one who thinks that that's a tenuous interpretation of the law. So back to Washington, we got an interesting situation. A, uh, I guess her interpretation of this is correct. You tell me. A Brenna Green, who's the uh, sports director at KREM, said, hey, in Washington, vaccine requirement to all K through 12 and higher education employees. She says that means that unless Washington State coach Nick Rolovich K 
can provide a legit medical or religious exemption. He's not vaccinated. And he said he didn't go to Pac-12 media day. I'm, I'm not talking about it, but I'm not getting vaccinated. She says, unless he can provide a legit medical or religious exemption, uh, he will be required to be vaccinated by October 19th or lose his job. Yep. That can't really. Yeah. What? Why not? A college football coach in the power five. Yes. They're going to oust him over this vaccination sure. stuff. And I would think it would be for cause and there wouldn't have to be any buyout. And there wouldn't, I mean, you're violating the law. Law says this. There's nothing I can do about it. If I'm the president. Wait, it's a law or an order? Because we believe me, how, how many times have we gotten through this? Right. Basically walking into a grocery store and wherever and some Karen's like, it's not a law. Well, an emergency order, an order from the governor that has been authorized, the power has been given to him by his state legislature to do this, right? Same in Nevada. You could say, well, I don't like what the governor is doing. Well, the state legislature gave him those emergency powers. They could take them back. They could change them. They haven't, but they could. Same thing here. So when the governor makes a, a rule in regards to an emergency declaration, it is the law. You do have to follow that. It's not a halfway law. It's not something, it's not a suggestion. It is law. So, you know, if I'm the president of Wazoo and I say, hey, are you going to do it? He says, absolutely not. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to fire you on October 19th, right? Like, wow. I, you're violating the law. I can't have you on the sidelines breaking the law. We're a public institution. It's over. And I'm not giving you any money. And I'm giving you a buyout. Go get your lawyer. You're going to lose. Go talk to our whole hey, you're, legal department. You're pretty intimidating president figure. That was good. What are you going to do? Five seven zero nine thousand is the number. Battleborne injury alerts. Justin Watkins is in with us. Uh, going back to the Raiders' decision, uh, more of those tweets with I, I thought you know pretty good questions. Uh, someone said, "Think how many non-vaccinated people had trips planned to see their team in Vegas." Guess Vegas doesn't need that hotel or gambling revenue. I think that's probably real, right? I mean, I think that's it is, what there is a risk here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's. I'm sure something that the Raiders and, and I doubt that Mark Davis made this decision in a vacuum. I'm sure. Uh, by the way, can we jump in here for a second? Yeah. Because I see a lot of that, that the Raiders are operating completely independently from like everything else in Las Vegas. Everything here is interconnected. A hundred percent. Believe me, the he's talking to people in the casino industry. 100%. He's talking to Governor Sislak and other 100%. elected officials. This is a joint effort. Governor Sisolak doesn't make these decisions on his own. 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's remember the timing here, right? What happened, was it six hours before the Raiders came out with their policy? MGM came out with their policy. Get vaccinated or you're fired, right? I mean, these, these guys are all talking together. But anyway, I'm sure that was part of the consideration is, hey, we are going to have to, we have to figure out a policy on the upfront. If people had trips planned here, for the Raiders games and they call complaining and they're, you know, anti-vaxxers and they're not going to get the vaccination and they want to cancel. Let's let them cancel, right? Like we don't want to get embroiled in that fight. Let them cancel. And I'm not saying that's what they've decided to do. They didn't publicly stay one way or the other, but I'm sure they have come up with some guidelines together in regards to how they're going to address that. Uh, my guess is by the time these games roll around, the Raiders aren't going to be the only ones. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, what Governor Inslee just did in Washington, I think, is indicative of what you're probably going to see for Seattle Seahawks games. I, I'm sure that's next um, because he doesn't make these decisions in a vacuum either. So I don't think they're going to be the only ones, though. I'm sure they won't be all have the same unified rules, but uh, I do think people will continue to make their trips. 
I think there's a lot of people are sitting on the fence and this is going to be one of those things that that pushes them on one side. I do think there's a much smaller minority than of the current anti-vaxxers, the current non-vaccinated people, I should say, that are truly entrenched in this. I don't think it's as big of a number as the number of people who haven't been vaccinated. Um, You know, right now in Nevada, where are we at? We're at something like 44% of the people are not vaccinated. Of that 44%, 14% are not eligible. So we're, we're really at 30% of people who are like, no, I'm not going to do this. And I'm, and I think that of those hardcore, I, I'm, I imagine somewhere in 10, 15%. I'm totally guessing. One other interesting comment from a lot of fans who, you know, are not happy with this. Guess Lamar Jackson can't play at the stadium on the 13th. So that's different, right? I mean, I don't know that Mark Davis could make that rule separate and apart from the NFL. He can make a rule about what the fans can do in his stadium when they come in, uh, all those circumstances, just like we saw during the pandemic, right? Some allowed, you know, 25%, some allowed 0%, some allowed 50%. We saw that change throughout the year. The, the team can control the stadium and the fans and who comes in and what the prices are and all that stuff but they can't control who's allowed to play and the rules associated with that. So I don't think that that's going to happen. They're not going to say we should say little Lamar Jackson. I don't think it's confirmed that he's unvaccinated, but it seems like he is. He's caught COVID twice now and he has talked about a hesitancy to talk about it. So, yeah. And there's going to be several players like that. Boy, oh boy. I'll tell you what, if New York, that'll be interesting. If New York decides, and then they only have one team, you know, people forget, you know, both New Jersey giants and New Jersey jets, but you know, there's been some bills very vocal about this you know Cole Beasley will still be allowed in but all of a sudden I I just that is interesting that you could have participants on the field who are you know really against this and the people who want to watch them who are against it actually can't get into the stadium right now in Las Vegas right on the way back we'll get a quick hit on latest updates uh, with Trevor Bauer and with Deshaun Watson Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers 702-570-9000 with your questions today it's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Let's go rapid fire down the stretch here. And these stories deserve more time, but I want to get your take on uh, what's going on with the restraining order hearing with Trevor Bauer. Yeah, so it, this isn't typical, but it, the restraining order hearing is about making a temporary restraining order or a permanent restraining order. And in essence, it's like a mini trial. And so Bauer and his attorney get to cross-examine witnesses and get to present their own witnesses. And basically what he, what the attorney for Bauer tried to do is say, hey, you delayed this thing a month and a half before you talked to, to before you sought the restraining order. Nothing happened in those 46 days. There was no contact between you two. So you didn't even need the restraining order in the first place. In the restraining order that you did get in the affidavit, you didn't mention anything about the fact that text messages in which you requested to have physically rough sex. You didn't mention anything about any other uh, relationships that you'd had with any other ball players. You didn't mention any of the text messages that you had between you and your friends in which you said you're in Bauer's head and you had to, your hooks in him. So didn't you think that that was all important for the court to hear in order to, to uh, you know, make a decision? And, you know, she broke down the stand. She basically said, I was told that they were going to be arrested. The cops lied to me. That's why I waited. Um, and 
And I didn't think it was relevant that I dated other people. I didn't think it was relevant that I had asked for rough sex. I don't think it's possible for me to consent once I was knocked out. Uh, they're going to call Bauer as a last witness tomorrow. Yeah. And his attorney's made it clear he's going to plead the fifth. You have to. You have to. I mean, um, despite I'm sure he wants to say his side of the story, um, you know, you've got, I think you've got his story in text messages. I mean, there there's substantial messages between the two. Right? So I think you've got his story. I don't think you need him to tell it. And there's obviously a risk. If he messes up, then the criminal investigation that's currently ongoing goes a different direction all of a sudden. Um, it doesn't seem like the criminal investigation has much in the in the way of legs. Does not seem like there's any charges that are imminent. Um, so, you know, you first and foremost, you've got to make sure that your client doesn't go to jail. Deshaun Watson, headline: FBI investigating allegations against Watson, but possible extortion from the other side. Yeah, this At is least according to Rusty Harden. That's what I was going to say. This is interesting. This yeah. is a statement from Rusty Harden. So take that as you will. He's only going to, you know, obviously tell you his side of things. But he said the FBI contacted Watson. Watson cooperated with an investigation that the FBI believed that there was potential extortion of Watson by one of the claimants um, demanding payment the way that they demand payment and what they threatened to do if they didn't get payment. So that's all. That's all we know. That's all what Harden has said. But he said, but the, I think the key to it all was he said, we've cooperated with them. We've cooperated with Houston police and we will cooperate with the NFL when they ask for it. And they haven't asked for it yet because typically they wait for the criminal procedure to finish before they interview any of the potential players. What that sounds like to me is we're not going to see Deshaun Watson for a while. I just don't think that the, I don't think they're going to put him out there uh, until the NFL's finished their investigation. Justin Watkins is with us, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. We do a podcast every Thursday night, and I wanted to point out you had a, a really interesting set of comments about the. We were talking about the the workforce and people not getting back to work, and you mentioned, hey, you know, a lot of these service jobs changed. All of a sudden, now you're the mask police, and you're getting your chops busted and screamed at. Which I I wanted to go back to the Raiders for a second. You think any of the ushers signed up to be the mask police? And get screamed at or security guards. I'll tell you, yesterday, Adam Hill was telling a story about there were apparently were like a half dozen protesters who wanted to get into the Mark Davis press conference who were just screaming at security people, like calling them Nazis. And I, you know, I, I thought the, the way you put it was like, hey, certain jobs have changed. Like, yeah. This wasn't part of my responsibility. Right. Well, and we, we you know, there's comments there. There's there's knowledge that we have this, quote unquote, labor shortage. And a lot of people have said laziness on one side of the argument the other side of the argument has said well we think that they ha they're not properly paying people and they haven't been paying people what they're worth for a long time and this is sort of a reconciliation of that and so you need to pay people more you need to raise minimum wage and people will come back to work but they're not going to work for nothing uh and i my my comment on the podcast and i think it's totally apropos to what you're saying is i think there's a third sort of leg there in in that people don't believe they're getting paid enough for what the job has become I, in the restaurant business in you know sports and, and entertainment and be you know it used to be the usher could just be this old retiree right who didn't have to you know he just flashed the flashlight here's where your seat's at go about your way and then they had some muscle down below to make sure that everybody was okay and now if the job is 
hey, make sure you put your mask up. It's being screamed at. If you're a flight attendant, if you're a flight attendant, man, what a tough job you have right now with everybody trying to make an example of you in the situation of you can't tell me what to do. You know, if you're a hostess at a restaurant, all these things in which now people have targeted you or your business or your workplace to make a political statement and you've got to try to walk that line between doing your job and maintaining the peace that's not it's not your job and people don't want it so i i i apply what the raiders are doing for a bunch of different reasons but i have to imagine that the people who are going to work at the stadium now have taken a little bit of a sigh of relief of like right thank goodness we don't have to deal with that all right justin good spot all right, thanks. There he is. Podcast tomorrow night, 9 o'clock at Steve Cofield up on YouTube as well. Coming back, we get to another team in our Cofield & Company NFL countdown. Number 18, Saints are up. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today.